We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. Our speaker today is the senior pastor, Tom Nelson. Well, last night we had some pretty high doctrine, if you were here. We walked through the entire Bible in 30 minutes. This morning we're going to have some beans and cornbread. Something good on your ribs. Y'all notice my Christmas gift? I'm stunning. Listen to some of these verses. As Charles read to you, he is wonderful counselor. The word wonderful is the Hebrew word pele, and it means impossible. It means something that is above you. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. I cannot attain to it. Wonderful. You ever tried to explain who Jesus is, God and man, one person forever? He's wonderful. And he is a counselor, which is the word used in the Old Testament for a king, a counselor. He is the infinite king. Wonderful counselor, the mighty God. And he is. He's not just mighty, but he is the um, uh, eternal father. Talking about his nature. He is an eternal uh, you fathers, mothers know how you love your children. He is the eternal father. He's the standard by which we get fatherhood. And he is the prince of peace. He's the one that brings the king's peace to his domain. Romans 5.1, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Paul would begin his letters, grace to you in peace. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And the church in Acts continued on in peace and in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. May he lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Be at peace with all men. May the Lord of peace be with you all. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Blessed are the peacemakers. Be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. Peace be still. I don't know how many times in the Bible one of the blessed results of God, his word, and his activity is peace. I want to show you here in the New Testament seven different applications of what peace is. And as I show these to you, remember that peace is always spoken of in the context of distress. Otherwise, you wouldn't have to know it's peace. That uh, there are, would you all agree that there are areas in life that can be very distressing continually? And just about any area you get into in life, it's an area of future distress. And yet God speaks of peace in these areas. Uh, number one, Paul said in Romans 5.1, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. We were not at peace with God when we were pagans. Amen. Uh, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. 
while we were yet ungodly, we were reconciled. That's what we were. And now there is peace. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Christ was our substitute. Christ was our propitiation to the wrath of God. Christ was then our um, justification as God through his imputation could grant unto us his righteousness. And as a result of these, we have reconciliation. Conciliate. What's that word mean? Peace. To be reconciliated means we are once more at peace with God. I picked up something a while back at Kroger's, okay. Y'all ever heard of a self-check? <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the message, but other than maybe antibiotics and the Salk vaccine, that's the greatest invention that has ever been known. Never mind. But I picked up this magazine and it was on the most famous photos in American history, in the history of photography. And as you looked at them, you, every one of them, you went, yeah, yeah. But you know what was number one and number two? Number one, you got that, Nate? Who was the girl? He don't know. <laughs> he don't know. Who was the guy? She don't know. But everybody was so happy. You gather from her hose that she is a nurse. Okay. But everyone was just so happy because when was this shot? It was when the war ended and there was victory. And that was everybody was elated. And coming in right next to it was this one. Now, it's funny because those two photos are different sides of the same idea. The reason you can have a guy elatedly kissing a girl in joy is because you had that. Because that is a happy photo because of victory. But if you look all around, everything is devastated. It's almost like Calvary. You know? And that's why we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so thankful for the cross that you can go out and kiss people at large. You know? okay. Are you with me so far? The war is over. That's why they said that after World War I, when there wasn't a lot of communication abilities, the way you knew that Armistice Day had come, I believe it was November of 1918, is that uh, the bells and the churches started ringing from the East Coast where it was received first all the way across the country. The bells were ringing, the war was over. Are we glad? We sing because the war is over because there's a nail-pierced individual at God's right hand. He made it to the top. Number two, Romans 5.1 is the peace uh, with God. But Paul said, uh, be anxious in nothing, but through uh, petition, supplication, and thanksgiving, 
let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. There's peace with God that we all have positionally, but then there is an experiential peace that you can have it and you can not have it. It's called the peace of God that guards your hearts in Christ Jesus. And that comes from anxiety. Be anxious and nothing. But in everything, with prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The word anxiety in Greek is a word that means all directions. When stuff happens and you start doing this, he probably gets it from a text in Isaiah. Do not anxiously look about. I am your God and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You just hang on right here. Ah, oh, ye men of little faith. Why were you fearful? What manner of man is this? The winds and the sea obey him. And so the peace of God is when you say like Paul, uh, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry having abundance and suffering need. Can life do that? And then he said, here's the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's in the uh, present tense. He's always there. Now you still may be in prison, but you let God take you through it and it guards your hearts and minds. And so that is what the peace of God is. All things work together for good. Not all things are good, things are painful, but they will work together. Joseph, your brothers, your nation is gonna bow down to you. Really? Yep. Thrown into a pit, sold into Egypt, thrown into jail and forgotten. He just keeps going down. And the Bible says the word of the Lord, Psalm 105, the word of the Lord tested him. Do you believe me? Yes. Do you believe me? Yes. Do you believe me? Yes. Trust me. And then all of a sudden, hey, Joseph, shave, change your shirt. <laughs> Pharaoh wants to talk to you. In 20 minutes, he's the vice president of the country. So God can turn things around. It's kind of like being the son of God and being rejected, tried, found guilty for what you are, innocent on all counts, tortured, killed, abandoned, and put into a cave. And three days later, you're the king of the universe. So it can happen. And so a lot of times, we, the word of the Lord tests us. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? All right? That's the peace of God. And then there's number three. Not just peace in life's circumstances, but there is peace in life's purpose. Whenever you ask that question, do y'all remember asking this? Probably not until you were about in your 20s. You began to ask, why am I here? Why is there life? Now, I knew why there was life. I was a phys ed major. There's life to blow up volleyballs and you blow up basketballs. Okay. But I, had to, I, was, I didn't trust Christ for heaven. I trusted Christ for earth this guy told me that I could know God and he could show me his purpose for my life. And I said, hot dang. 
because I've found out that I can't find it on my own. That's for sure. And so I need a good shepherd to guide me. And I trusted Christ. And I found out that as he leads me, goodness and mercy shall follow me and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever, that he would take me home. But it was the idea that he could take me through life and show me why I was here. Uh, I remember when I was a fresh, no, sophomore at North Texas. Those dark years run together in there. I was a sophomore and I had an English class taught by a guy named Bob Hufker. And he was my English teacher. And I remember him mentioning in passing, he said, I was the KRLD reporter the day that Jack Ruby shot Lee Harvey Oswald. He said, I was the reporter on the first live murder in history to be on a media. And he's the guy, whenever you're watching that, as all of us have watched it, how many of you saw it live? I did, sitting at home. And uh, he's the guy that says, he's been shot, he's been shot. That was my English teacher at North Texas. And he mentioned to us that he wanted us to read a book for English literature. And the book was Ecclesiastes. Yeah. I, I thought it was Acophilastes or something like that. I, I couldn't pronounce it. But it began, and he just camped on one deal. And that's the way that Ecclesiastes begins. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. What profiteth a man in all his labors? Meaning, how much do you leave behind when you die? How quickly do they forget you? Real quickly, okay. And so what's the use? I mean, death makes our life look absurd. And he had us read that. And he told about when he saw that murder, he said he was never the same. And then I found out later watching a, a special on the, uh, the day Kennedy died. And there was my English teacher on there talking about it. And I remember him mentioning it. There was something about it of seeing Kennedy, boom, and then watching Oswald, boom. And then Ruby dying of cancer. And he said, it was all gone in a heartbeat. And he never, quite, he, Bob said that he always struggled seeing that. And so he wanted us 60s kids that knew everything. He wanted us to read that uh, you're not so smart, that we don't know some things. And... Uh, to find out that there could be a purpose that I could know God, I could have my life changed by God, I could be sure of eternal life, and then that he would leave me here for a reason. When I was at Dallas Seminary, Dr. Howard Hendricks said, there's two questions you gotta ask. Number one, why did God save you? And the answer is, you don't know. It's just his grace. He said, you gotta answer that. He saved you only because of his sovereign will. It wasn't because you were the cutest thing in Denton. Look around, okay? He saved you out of sovereign grace. And then he says, your second question is, why has he left you here? What's your purpose? 
It's not, it can't be just simply to make money and have fun because that's all going to end in glory. He's left you here to know him and to make him known. And I said, that scratches deep. And my generation back in the 60s, there had been a loss of confidence in capitalism. It didn't end up like we thought it was going to make everybody happy, but we weren't sure what to look to. And so we had the new age movement. Anybody remember that? Blowing a conch shell out on Lake Travis naked. All right. Anybody? Yeah. It's a bad experience. Or you could try drugs or you could try communism. Remember Che Guevara picture? Everybody, maybe we can try communism, the new age. Nothing worked. And a huge number of us in the 70s became Christians because we found that is a hope beyond this life. And he has never failed me. He really hadn't. It scratches deep. And so we have peace with God. We can have the peace of God. And we can have peace and life's purpose. I can know why I am here to serve him. Number four, I can have peace with life's questions. Uh, Solomon talks in Ecclesiastes about the possibility of human wisdom to make meaning. And he said in increasing wisdom, and he's talking about human knowledge, getting your degrees, you keep going up in knowledge. In increasing knowledge, there is increasing pain because you still don't have answers. Will any college class, any graduate class at MIT, Yale, Harvard, or Navarro Junior College, will any of them answer the question of who is God, where's the creation come from, what is man, why is he here, what is evil, how is it removed, and what will the future hold? They not only can't answer that, if they try to answer that, they'll be fired. The only way you get it is from the Bible. And without those questions being answered, as in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 and Genesis 3 and Genesis 3.15, and the rest of the Bible about Israel and the nation of truth and the Bible and the Old Testament, the coming of Christ, his death, his church age, the return, judgment, new heavens, new earth. It gives you all the essential questions of all of life. That's why I know the Bible must be true for one major reason, because I read it. I have read one book in my life twice, and that was Lonesome Dove. <laughs> and I think the story of Jim Thorpe, I read that. But I have read this book, and I'm not bragging, I'm talking about like a dying man needing water. I have read this book now through once a year since Gerald Ford was president. Who was Gerald Ford? You have no idea, all right? Are you, buddy? You ain't got no hair. Okay, let's continue. But I have always read my Bible, and there's no way I could keep reading Tom Sawyer or Huckleberry Finn. You just run out of stuff. Every time I pick up my Bible, it's a new Bible because I'm in a new place. 
It's like dusting away the sand as you're on an archeological dig and you get into, you see things that have never been seen. And so, how many of you knew what the Hebrew word for wonderful was? You didn't know, did you? You do now. You keep learning. And it's not just learning, you know, useless information. Sometimes I'll be at the gym, be looking at the TVs on the treadmill, and look at Sports Center, and I keep going, who cares? Who cares about Dak's ankle? <laughs> you know, I mean, in the ultimate span of eternity, who cares about anything other than God? And so the Bible gives you the essential answers that nobody else can give you. That's why they're called, incidentally, cardinal truths. Y'all have heard that? The word card is a, uh, I believe it's a Latin word that means to turn. That's why when you play cards, you've got to keep your hand close to you because of cheaters. They can't see what's on the other side until you turn them down. You turn them. See the cards. Show me your cards. There they are. And so the word card meant to turn. That's why Catholic archbishops that were elevated to a position became cardinals because they gave essential truths. The idea, they, they were the guys that would tell you who the next pope would be. Those were the cardinals. Everything would turn on them. They were given little red hats. And that's why there was a bird in St. Louis called a cardinal because it looked like a Catholic archbishop. Let's continue right here. Number five, you can have peace with yourself. Have we heard the term self-image thrown around a little bit today? Yeah. I can know that I am chosen of God that I am forgiven by God. Every spot and wrinkle is gone. Do y'all ever have times in your life that you think back on your life and inadvertently curse under your breath and your wife says to you, what'd you say? And you lie. Okay. I can think back on my life on things and I'll go, damn. I still can't have my memory stricken. But God said he has put my sins behind his back and cast them at the bottom of the sea and put up a no fishing sign. I am forgiven. Can I say that in the sight of God, I am in the righteousness of Christ. Yes, I can. Can I say that I have been born never to die again and the second death is no fear to us? Yeah. Can I say that I am as a man adopted into God's household? Can I say uh, to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God even to those who believe in his name who were born 
Not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God. I can say that. Can I say, as the Paul says in Corinthians, the Holy Spirit has distributed gifts to each as he is pleased. Can I say that? That I have a spiritual enablement to do something that's intuitive and God meant for me to have it to serve him and to work within the body of Christ. I am somebody. Listen to what the apostle Paul said. But when he who had me set apart, Galatians 1, even from my mother's womb, was pleased to reveal his son in me and call me by his grace that I might preach him among the Gentiles. That's an amazing verse. Paul, when did God first think of you? From my mother's womb. When did you get saved? When he was pleased to reveal his son in me. I'll save you when I want to save you that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I'm gonna save you by grace when I want you to be saved to do something that I want you to do. And Paul said when he was close to death in 2 Timothy 4, he said, at my first defense, no one stood with me. All turned against me, may it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that through me, the proclamation might be fully accomplished because God said when he was converted, this one will bear my name before the kings of the Gentiles. God had a plan and I will not die until that time. Can we say that? God converted me when he wanted to at a special time in my life with a special enablement as you all have and I will not go before he has me do what he wants me to do. And when the time comes, I will say like Paul, the time of my departure has come and I will go home. Can y'all think of a better deal than that? Well, and also, are you with me so far? We have not just peace with yourself, but you have peace with others. It'll allow you, if possible, Paul said, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. When he returns, be diligent to be found by him in peace, getting along with people. Ephesians chapter two, he has made the two groups, Jew and Gentile, into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity that separated us from Israel, that in the two he might make them into one new man, thus establishing peace. You look around, we've got all kind of people here. Uh, God has made us one with all of our differences. Amazing. Colossians 3, uh, let the peace of Christ act as umpire between you. That's what the Greek is. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, or let it act as umpire. Sometimes Christ has to step in between brothers and go, whoa, whoa, hitting below the belt, biting, get him up, get it fixed, all right? And so it'll let you get along well with others. 
Have y'all ever known Christians that made their ways difficult by their inability to get along with people? They're probably not here this morning because they hate y'all, okay? And they don't want to be stuck with y'all, okay? I remember Mike Shear said to me one time he was going to start a church called No People Bible. <laughs> this wouldn't be any people here. It would just be old Mike, you know. I've told you all that story about the guy that was a castaway. They went and finally got him after years on this island. They saw three little booths and they said, what's that? He said, that's where I lived. Well, what's that? Well, I missed church on Sunday. I made me a church. Well, what's the third one? Well, I left the first one and I went over to the second one. Oh, here. How do you split from yourself? I've ever told you all the story of the Zippy Dog Food Company. Zippy Dog Food, I remember Howard Hendricks telling us this at seminary, he said, get ready for this. The sales manager is talking to all the uh, salesmen for the Zippy Dog Food Company, and he says, what's the best dog food company in the United States? We are, we are, yeah. Who's got the best marketing of any dog food company in the United States? We do, we do. Who has got the best sales force? of all the dog food companies in the United States. We do. Then why are we 17 out of 19 dog food companies? And the guy in the back says, cause the dogs don't like it. <laughs> That's church. <laughs> Who's got the best? Yeah, who's got the best? We do. Why can't we get nobody here? Nobody likes us. It's called theological BO. Just can't stand to be around them. Peter gave a graduation speech in 1 Peter. Let all who seek to love life and see good days refrain your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. Let him uh, seek peace and pursue it. For the hand of God is upon the righteous and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of God is against all who do evil. That's Peter's graduation message. Would you like to love life and see good days? Refrain your tongue from evil and your lip from speaking guile. Turn away from evil, seek peace, and pursue it. And the hand of God will be with you. The Bible says of Jesus, he grew and increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. People loved him. And so it gives you the ability to, to navigate life and to get along with people. Are y'all enjoying, when we get back to it, the book of Proverbs? That book will get in your mustache, won't it? It really will. It just hits you right up there. This is the way you do life right here. All you need is one verse. It means what it says. It's the way you do life. And then last of all, do we need a review? Peace with God the peace of God in circumstances, the peace in life's purpose, 
peace with life's great questions. Peace with yourself. You know who you are in Christ. And then the ability to get along with people. And then last of all, it's peace with death. Peace with death. Paul said, the time of my departure has come. The word for departure is the word analusis. Luo, to loose, ana, to loose away. It's a word used for a soldier taking off his pack and going home. <clears throat> I'm going home. It's a word used about a ship being loosed from its moorings to go out to sea, to go over the horizon to the other side. And that's what Paul called his death. You know what Peter called it? He said, how do you put it? I'll be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. He used the word exodus. Hodas means the way. Ex means the way out. I think we've got it. Yeah, it's in red over all of our doors, it says exit. Exodus is the way home, the way out. So that's how Jesus said, uh, if you loved me, you would have rejoiced that I say, I'm going away, for I'm going to the Father. First guy that dies in the New Testament, Stephen, he dies, and before he dies, he sees something. What's he see? The other side. There's Jesus. Only time ever Christ ever stands at the right hand of God, and there he is, one guy, while the rocks are coming in. One guy, Stephen. Stephanos means the crowned one. And uh, they buried him, and it said, pious men made loud lamentation. Man, we lost somebody that was something. Uh, first woman's funeral is a woman named Graceful One. Dorcas means gazelle, Tabitha. And when she died, the uh, people of her church all went and got Peter and said, hey, can you raise somebody from the dead? Because if you can, we need you. We can't lose this woman. I've never had that request made of me. I need you to get this person back from the dead. And uh, there's a group of ladies that requested, so Peter went. Okay, don't want to make a bunch of ladies mad. And he went into where she was, and she was surrounded by widows that were all crying. And they were wiping their tears with the garments that Dorcas had made for them in her life. That's the way you're supposed to die. Where you're crying, but you're drying your tears with the memories that they have left you. And you don't wanna lose them, okay? And so, Peter raised her back. That's the way you're supposed to die. When they buried Jacob, they recognized Jacob had given them Joseph there in Egypt and had saved them. And so they took Jacob back to Canaan land and buried him. And all the Canaanites saw the weeping of the Egyptians 
And they called the place Abel Misraim. Great is the weeping of the Egyptians. Abel Misraim. We hate losing this person. Good night. I heard, a, I got a buddy that's in the Hall of Fame, Canton Hall of Fame. And he said to me that one of the most loved men was Franco Harris. Y'all been up on the news. He just died. They don't like him in Oakland. <laughs> but he did the immaculate reception. And uh, he passed. And you know, the, uh, the industry, the professional football industry, just hurt because they lost such a good man. And so you saw a lot of that on the deal. We just, we wish we had him back. He was 72. It's getting kind of close to home right here. So that's the way you're supposed to die. We're not afraid of death. We're going home. Amen. All I asked was one of our staff, Jim Hill, to set himself on fire at my funeral. I didn't think that was too much to ask. But I'll be ready to go. Y'all ever heard of a guy named Peter Marshall? Not the talk show host, but Peter Marshall, the great Presbyterian chaplain of the U.S. Senate. And uh, uh, Peter Marshall uh, was a popular speaker there in D.C., the great Scotchman. He just sounded great and he had a great pious heart and he helped take our country through World War II. He was a great religious voice in Washington. Every day he would go in and pray for Congress. He was the, he was the, the chaplain of Congress. And uh, one Sunday morning, he was asked to go to Annapolis, just a short jaunt up to Annapolis, Maryland, and to go to, Air, to a Naval Academy and to do chapel service. And he went and he was getting ready to do his message. And he just said, I can't do this. And the chaplain said, Annapolis, what do you mean you can't do this? I can't give this message. I don't know what I've got to give, but I've got to give something else. He said, okay. And so he got up and he preached extempore about death, about death. And he told the story of a, of a little boy that had a terminal illness. And one night he asked his mother, am I gonna die? And she said, well, unless some miracle happens, yes, you are. He said, what's death like? And the mother said she kind of looked in her soul to God. That's a question a mother is not prepared to give her child. What's death like? And she said it was like a revelation to her. She said, do you remember when you were little and you would play all day and you would come in and you were tired and you'd take your bath and then you just fall asleep right here on the couch? You remember that? Yeah. 
And he said, she said, when you were asleep, your daddy would come in and he would reach down with big arms and he would pick you up and he would take you upstairs and he would lay you to rest. And whenever you woke up the bright next morning, you were where you belonged. She said, that's death. And so that's how he did his sermon. And he got in his car and he drove back. And all of a sudden the radio knocked out the program to make an announcement because he spoke on December the 7th, 1941. That was his message. And there he finds out that our country is about to go into the biggest world war of history. And he realized that that group of men, a great many of them would not return. And that was what they would hear. That is death. Pray with me. Father in heaven, this is kind of the uh, meat and potatoes, the beans and cornbread of Christmas. That because of that baby growing to that man and becoming that lamb of God, we can have peace with God. And as we go through life and this great and terrible wilderness, we can have a peace of God that surpasses all understanding. It doesn't make sense that a man can eat and drink at communion and sing a hymn as Jesus did before he leaves to be arrested, tried, lied about, tortured, and killed. But he had the peace of God. My peace I give unto you. And that we have peace and our purpose. I finally know why I'm here. And I have peace uh, with the people. That I can get along with them. And I can love them. And I can have a... Uh, an intimacy with my fellow human beings and that I have a peace with the great questions that I'm not lost in space anymore that I know why you made the earth and I know why you made me and I know why you made man I know what evil is I know how it's dealt with I know my past I know my duty right now and I know what the future holds I can look in the Bible to the very end and see they shall reign forever and I have peace with myself. I don't have to go on a smartphone to see how many likes I get. That I can rest right here. Whether I get a grade or not, whether I get a letter jacket or not, as long as I do my best, that I can be at peace with who you've made me. Moses said to God, God, I cannot speak. And God said to him, who made man's mouth? Who made him blind or seeing? Is it not I, God? I take full responsibility on handicaps and on death. Thy days were allotted to me before there was yet one of them. And so I can have peace. And the uh, cutting down of the grain for us is not a grim reaper. It is a happy day. And so thank you for all of the 
concentric circles that went outward from Calvary. Indeed, did those angels know what they were saying. Glory to God in the highest realm and on earth, peace among men of God's good pleasure. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name, amen.